Thank you. Well, this morning, let's, um, let me just start with um, a story. You probably have heard this story before, but I just want to kind of set up where I'm going. Um, we're talking about the miracle of the method. You know, God chooses the methods by which he does everything. And if it were us making a choice for a method, we would take the easy road. We would take the obvious road. I'm sure we would because that's just how we are, but that's not how God is because God is limitless in his options and, and ways he can go about. So let me read this story and then we'll move forward. Uh, this is a story called God Will Save Me. Um, you've probably heard it, so let's hang with me. A terrible storm comes into a town and local officials send out an emergency warning that the riverbeds would be soon overflowing and the flood would be... Uh, and would flood nearby homes. They ordered everyone in the town to evacuate immediately. A faithful Christian man heard the warning and he decided to stay, saying to himself, I will trust God, and if I'm in danger, then he will send a miracle to save me. The neighbors came by uh, as they left their house and they drove by his house and they said, we're leaving and there is enough room in the car for you. Please come with us. But the man declined. He said, I have faith that God will save me. As the man stood on his porch and the waters uh, began to rise up to the step, uh, a man paddles by in a canoe and he calls out and he says, hurry, come on, get into my canoe in the, because the waters are quickly rising. And the man says, no, thank no thanks, God will save me. The flood waters grew higher and rose higher and the, uh, the pouring water came into the living room as the man had to retreat to the second floor. A, a police motorboat comes by and he saw the man at the window and, and they, with a the bullhorn, they, they say, uh, we're gonna come up and rescue you, they shouted. But the man refused, waving them off, saying, use your time to save someone else. I have faith that God will save me. The floodwaters rose higher and higher, and the man had eventually to climb to his rooftop. A helicopter spotted him and dropped a rope ladder. Uh, a rescue officer came down the ladder, pleading with the man, grab my hand and I will pull you up. Still the man refused, folding his arms tightly to his body. No, thank you. God will save me. Shortly after that, the house broke apart. The floodwaters swept it and him away, and the man drowned. And you say, oh, that's sad. Okay, hang on. <laughs> and when the man stood before God in heaven, he said to him, I, have, I put my faith in you, and why didn't you come and save me? And God said, I sent you a warning. I sent you a car. I sent you a canoe. I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. What more did you want me to do? And I know, you know, we can laugh at that, but the thing of the fact of the matter is, is God saves by whatever method he chooses. He protects us through whatever method he chooses. And so this morning, I'm not telling you what the method is, but God, now I'm not talking about salvation. I know how he saves in that. But I'm just saying in life in general, God chooses how he saves and the methods that he uses. God could have uh, sent into the world a conquering Jesus with a sword and, oh, kind of like he's going to come back next time. But he didn't do that. He could have sent uh, him as a judge to come and to, to uh, get rid of all these evil people around us. You know what I mean? He could have sent uh, some kind of an enforcer to come and to make people do, kind of like the Pharisees were doing. But that's not how he came. He came as a baby in a manger. 
That was the method that God used, a baby in a manger. Now let's, we have two grandbabies, and they're not babies anymore. They're growing up. But they're at a point where they can do a lot of things for themselves, but by and large, not much. Not much. They can't prepare their own food. Uh, they can starting to get themselves dressed a little bit, at least Delta is. But I'm just saying, so looking at that, what could a baby in the manger offer to the world? He had to have a mother feed him. He had to have, uh, you know, someone to dress him and to protect him and to hold him and to, to do all the things. Because I think if we're not careful, kind of like the video, we're thinking, oh, that Jesus. No, no, he never ate. He never had to have his diaper changed. He, that's not true. He did. Because that's the method that God chose, that method. And if we can see it for what it is, we can be amazed and understand that God had and has a plan. He had a plan. He has a plan. He didn't want to send a judge or a conqueror or, or some kind of a, uh, you know, a high and mighty enforcer. He sent a baby. I don't know about you, but when I, when, when we, when our babies, when our grandbabies were born, and our babies too, there was something came up inside of me. And you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that had children and grandchildren, there's something that comes up out of you. It brings something out. It brings something out. And I believe the love of God sent Jesus into the world as a baby because he wanted to bring something out of the world he came to. He wanted to bring a compassion out. He wanted to bring an awareness out. John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to be a judge to be an enforcer. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn us. He sent his son into the world to save us through him. That's really the message of Christmas. That's the method that God used by sending his son. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. I'll give Garrett a second if he wants to try to get that up. Apologize again, bro. I didn't get to the scriptures. Romans 11, 33 through 36. This is NIV. And it says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God, of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. They're too hard for us to understand. They're unsearchable. I can look at him and go, I don't understand why he does things the way he does. He says, and his paths are beyond tracing out. I can't follow his plan. Sit back and go, I know what God's going to do. I don't, and neither do you. But as we trust him, he says in verse 34, who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him all things uh, are, are all things and to him be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Men would like to put God in a box, wouldn't they? Oh, hold on. Wouldn't we? <laughs> we would like to put God in a box because if I could put God in a box, then I would know how to plan my future. I would know exactly what I could um, expect of God because I would put him in a box and I would take him out of the box and say, okay, go to work now because I'm, I'm, I'm in need of you now. But that's not how God works. God's ways are unsearchable. God's ways are beyond us. 
And so when we think about a baby coming in a manger, we might, like the guy on the video, what in the world was God thinking? Well, we know now because we're on the other side of it. We understand what was happening and what was going to happen. But in our lives, sometimes things go on as they always do. And sometimes we're at the point where we're thinking, God, I prayed for this and you gave me that. What's up with that, God? I didn't ask for this. Remember the story I told you here a while back? A guy had a story, uh, he shared a testimony about that he had asthma and he was praying, oh God, uh, you know, heal my asthma. From a little boy, he said he used the, 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 the puffer. I mean, he said there wasn't a day that went by after a point that he didn't use it. And he said he got to the point where he was so frustrated, but he couldn't do anything without it. He just needed that. And he said he was praying as a, a teenager and he said, God, I just ask you to heal me. I believe you want to heal me. And he said, I just felt in my heart, God's going God's to work in my life. It's going to heal me. And, and so he said, you know, he went to bed that night with an expectation, woke up the next morning, and he said, the warts were gone off of his feet. <laughs> I didn't ask you for the warts to be removed from my feet. I asked you to heal my asthma. Now, he is healed of asthma now, but it took years before God actually did it. And I'll tell you something, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is more than enough. We don't think it is sometimes, or maybe we don't want it to be. But I, so why would God heal a guy that has asthma, that's praying for asthma uh, to be taken away? Why would he heal the warts on his feet? Here's what I think, because he wants you to know he can, but he has a plan. And he doesn't want us to lose track. Look, whatever's going on, if we will trust God and understand that his ways are unsearchable, meaning I can't trace it out. I can't figure, okay, he did this, so he's going to do this next, right? Yeah, I know he is. What's he doing down here? God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Let me read that verse, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I know some of us think that we're really, really very educated, and I mean, we are. Some, some of you got more, more degrees and more you know, experience and things, and, I, and I'm not knocking that, but not the type of education and not the type of understanding and knowledge that we can understand all the details of how God works and how God operates. God uses his own methods. He uses his own ways. A lot of people spend so much time trying to figure out God. I'm going to figure out God. I'm going to go to seminary, and I'm going to go to this, and I'm going to do that. And, hey, I'm not against education. I'm not. But the idea that somehow in this life we can figure out God. Now, why am I saying all this? It's hopeless. Give up. Who cares? You know what, it drives us to the place. Let me tell you where faith begins. Knowing that God's in control and he'll do it any way he wants. And I'll just trust you, God. If you, if you open a door and say, go through it, I'll step through. If you close the door and say, go the other way, I'll go the other way. I will do what you ask me to do. That's easier said than done. But trusting God is one of the things, that's, this is the method that he chooses for his people. Just trust me. Just trust trust me. He doesn't send us the, like I get a, what we call a run sheet. And sometimes I'll even follow it. 
because I'll pay attention to it. But I get a run sheet, and so I pretty well know kind of what's going on and, you know, you know who's doing what. And, but God doesn't give us a run sheet for the day or for the week or for the month or for our life. He doesn't give us that. You know what God gives us? The next step. The next step. He gives us the next step. So people that try to figure out God, uh, I just want everyone to realize and know that's not your job in this life to figure out God. Our job in this life is to trust him. It's impossible to understand the ways of God at the level that some people think, well, I know exactly what God's gonna do. Because here's the thing. There are people that can't, because they can't figure out God's ways, here's what they do. They reject him. Well, you know what? I tried. I don't know what God's gonna do. I don't even know if I, I just reject him. Because if you can't figure it out, he must not be real, right? No, that's not, that's not at all. And then there's uh, the other type of people, and they, they'll, they'll say or they think that they fully understand God. I've got him figured out. I know exactly. And so, so if, you know, oh, what, what's your problem? Oh, this is my, oh, okay. I know what you need to do because I've got it figured out. You need to do this and this and this and voila. God shows up and does what you want. That's not true. God has a personal connection, a personal relationship with all of us. Now, his word is his word. I'm not, I'm not saying that the word doesn't apply. If you get something, uh, if you get a, an idea or a thought or a direction, something in your life and in your heart, uh, a word from somebody, from me, telling you a certain thing and the word says opposite, here's the thing, disregard what I said. Disregard what those voices say. The word is true. But sometimes we wanna know, is it one step or is it two? We wanna know, is it to the right or the left? We wanna know. Do I buy or do I sell? We want to know, do I, do I ask her to marry me or do I wait? We want to know those things. And God will order our steps. He gives us the peace. You know, the Bible says, let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Well, if we allow his peace to rule and reign in our heart, let me tell you what happens. That's how he guides us because we have a peace, his peace, that peace that comes from him. Now, you know, and, you know, some of us might be thinking, well, you know, I think understanding God is important. I think understanding his ways are important, but understanding what he's going to do, he's going to do is impossible. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you have a phone? Yeah, it doesn't matter what kind. And how many of you know how to work it? Some of us do. <laughs> but how many of us know how it works? And see, now I know there's going to be people that, oh, I know how it works. You push the button and it goes up to the to the tower and it goes over and it goes to the satellite and it goes over. It, how does the satellite work? How does the cell tower work? Oh, oh, wait. Here's the thing. Okay, so you might be able to figure out how it works about this much, but could you take it apart and put it back together and still make it work? I'm not speaking for anyone. <laughs> I'm just saying, we trust things every single day that we don't know how they work, but we just depend on them. And I want you to know, I'm not trying to categorize God, you know, bring God down to the level of a phone, but I'm just saying this, that if we can take some steps back and say, God, I don't understand your methods. I don't understand them. I mean, I understand that you're a good God and you make a way in the middle of a storm. Here's what you say, stay on the boat. What kind of advice is that? In the middle of a messy 
rotten, difficult relationship, God says, stay in there and trust me. What? I'm doing this for, who, who, who are you? Oh, wait, that's right, you're God. When we're fighting through something and God says, don't give up and don't lose heart. It's like there's no point. I've been fighting through this and I've been fighting in the middle of this. God sends whatever he wants to send. Sometimes he sends people. Sometimes he sends uh, a word uh, by the spirit to speak right to your heart. Sometimes he'll send a canoe. Sometimes he'll send a helicopter. I don't know. But God does things the way he wants to do them. And so as we're talking about Christmas, God chose to, to do what he did in the form of a baby. That's a baby? We needed someone that could lead us and guide us. But, you know, God's methods are always beyond ours, aren't they? You can agree or disagree. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're always beyond us. But, but part of the Christmas method, miracle, is that, that God's methods are beyond our comprehension. We accept it. We love it. I think it's funny, the guy in the, the video, uh, and we might laugh at that, but stop a second and think. How many times have we prayed for something and God does something, and we're going, yeah, oh, thank goodness that worked out well. I guess, you know, whatever. But we don't give God credit. We don't see God in the midst of, uh, of, of his hand working this direction. You mean that guy? He's the same guy? The guy that did this is the same God I prayed to? God uses whatever he wants to use. And I think the one thing at Christmas that we have to, to, to really settle in our heart is that this is a, a season of hope. And see, if we have hope, then what we can do is we can trust that God can send anything any way he wants. He can send it UPS. He can send it FedEx. He can send it via your neighbor. He can send it whoever. I don't know. But you see, if we have a preconceived idea, you remember the story of Naaman in, in uh, golly, golly, I can't even remember where it was now. I got it written down here. But the story of Naaman, where Naaman, had, he, was, he had leprosy, and, you know, it, the servant girl says, you know, who was a captive, by the by. She was a captive, and, and she says to Naaman, this great a warrior, this great uh, general, this great officer in the Syrian army, and she says, if you'll go to the prophet, to the man of God in, you know, in Israel, if you'll go to him, he will heal you. Anyway, the story goes on, and and so he, you know, after some contemplation, he wasn't a believer. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't one of God's people. But this woman said, this young girl says this. So he goes and he, so he goes to the house of Elisha and he knocks on the door. I mean, there were some things that happened before that with the king and all, but so he ends up at the house of Elisha and he sends his servant, or maybe he goes to the door, I guess. He goes to the door and he knocks on the door and and. Now, obviously, Elisha was a prophet. He knew he was coming. And if you read a little earlier than that, that you know, he actually told the king, send him to me, because he went to the king first. And so Elisha was sitting there, probably having some soup, whatever. And he hears a knock on the door, and he tells his servant, go, go, go tell him to dip in the, in the Jordan seven times. Just go dip seven times in the Jordan. So he goes out, and he says, this is, the, this is what the prophet says. This is what the Lord says through the man of God. And so he tells him. And, and Naaman doesn't understand the method. 
What, what method did he not understand? Number one, he didn't understand why the prophet's still sitting in there. Why didn't you come out and wave your hand and, and call on your God and, and, whoa, God, why didn't you do that? Because he didn't want to. Because God didn't tell him to do that. And second of all, why would you tell me to go down to that filthy Jordan River? Because we have rivers in Syria that are much cleaner than this. The, I think the, there, there's two rivers that he names, the far, far, and the something, another. And they're way cleaner, and they're more beautiful, and there's some amazing beaches. And I could even get me a little something to drink down there after I would go swimming. Why would I do that? And he stomps off. And he says, I thought he would have come out and done this. I expected him to do it this way. And one of his servants said, Naaman, sir, if he would have asked you to climb to the highest mountain, if he would have asked you to do something noble and something gigantically impossible for anyone, but you would have tried it. You, he said, you would have done this. If he would have told you to do something very, very difficult, you'd have done it. But all he said was go dip in the Jordan. He didn't understand the method. That's our problem. That's our problem so many times. We don't understand God's method. So you want to bless me? Yeah. What do you want me to do? I just want you to give? <laughs> yeah, I figure that. It's a trick. It's a con. It's a ploy. Naaman goes down and he dips. And it says after he dipped the seventh time, he went down first, first through six. He came up looking exactly the same. But on the seventh time, because he trusted what the, word, what the man said, he just did it. He came up and it says his skin was like that of a newborn, a young boy, a young boy. Now, here's the thing. Why am I telling that story? Because I don't know where you are. I don't just want to talk about today, uh, you know, the, the, the Christmas story. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk, we are talking about it. But I want it to be personal. How does this work? God knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows. And he is going to use, he might even use a donkey today to speak to you. I'm learning my sounds from my grandkids. But the thing is, is we, we find ourselves in that place where it's like, I don't know. I, why would God, you know, uh, don't worry about the method. Be more concerned about our willingness to trust him and to take the steps. I want you to go down to the Jordan River. What's the shortest route? I want you to dip six times, seven times. I want you to dip seven times. And well, can you explain? Okay, can you explain? What will I be seeing about dip number three? Will I be beginning to see? Ooh, silence. Nothing. It's not going to tell him anything. I just want you to do what I ask you to do. I want you to do what I tell you to do. That's where faith begins. And according to Hebrews, Hebrews 11, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible without faith. It's impossible to please God. It's not really difficult. Well, we can try. Don't even waste your time. If we're not going to do what God, what we believe God is directing us to do by faith, well, here's the thing. Faith is just doing what he asks us to do. So that is faith. But my head's telling me, don't worry about your head. But my, but my, but my friends, don't worry about your friends. But, but my, don't worry about that. Just 
take one foot and put it in front of the other. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And that's the reason he says he wants us to renew our minds because our thoughts get us in so much trouble. So much trouble. God used Abraham and Sarah who were unable to bear children to raise up a nation of people for himself. He chose Joseph who was sold into slavery and eventually rose to the point of being second in command in Israel to save his family in the midst of a famine. Uh, God used Moses and his staff to rescue and to lead the people out of Egypt. Uh, He used a young shepherd boy named David to defeat a giant. Why would God do that? Because God can do what he wants. And he chose Bethlehem, a small, insignificant in the scheme of cities, insignificant, unassuming place in Israel to be the birthplace of his son. You know, if men had been in charge of, of Jesus coming, I called Jeff yesterday, I had this thought, and I called Jeff. I said, if you'd have been in charge of, of Jesus coming, you know what there would have been? He says, there would have been lasers and lights and smoke and sound. And I said, that's exactly what I wrote down. That's exactly what I thought. If it had been up to us, we would have done it way different. But God chose to do it the way he did today. Let me finish with just by saying, I don't know what everybody, where everybody's at. I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. Nobody, nobody knows what's going on in your life unless you share it. And even at that, we don't really share our fears and our worries at the depth and the level that we feel them. But God knows. He knows what we're feeling. He knows what's going on. And he just wants us to simply trust him. Because the methods that God uses are not the methods that we would choose. 